beautiful. You are listening to the Africana Woman Podcast. I am your host, Chulu. Every week, I ask an Africana woman to invite us into her home to give us a snapshot into what happens behind her closed doors. I hope you will join me on this journey of discovery, revelation, and self-awareness. I'm not going to lie. It may become uncomfortable sometimes. However, I encourage you to push past your unease and challenge yourself to think differently. The simple act of expanding yourself to receive the unknown may be transformational for you. Today, we are talking about motherhood in the traditional sense of raising children. Our guest is such a dear person to me, and her name is Kako Michelle Tembovula, a.k.a. Madea. <laughs> like, I love her so much for all the love that she has extended to me over the years. And listening to her story, it totally made sense why she is who she is. Kako has been a single mother. She has been a married mother. She is the mother of both a boy and a girl. She also adopted double orphan children. I think that it's safe to say she has a PhD in mothering. There's definitely something in this conversation for everyone. This particular interview was recorded with a live audience. So you'll hear us referring to the audience. And at the end, it became lit <laughs> because of so many audience questions. Please enjoy my conversation with Kako. So I'm very excited because this, our guest is amazing. And she is um, the mother of two beautiful children. So I'm just going to read her, her bio. Okay. So... Kako is married and a proud mother of two beautiful children. Her life philosophy is to enjoy the little things in life. For one day, you will look back and realize that the very minor um, overlooked things were actually big things that would have made a difference. Only if one had paid attention to them. She finds herself happy with the simple things in life and appreciates all the blessings God has given her. She has over 18 years of experience in anti-corruption work. She is open-minded, down-to-earth and easygoing and loves mentoring the youth as they navigate challenges faced by their age, by their age group. She is creative. She always has the best outfits, you guys. Anyway, um, and approaches things that excites her with energy and enthusiasm. Most importantly, she's compassionate and patient when dealing with crisis management issues. I am so excited. Please, everybody help me to welcome um, Michelle Kako Tembombula. And I'm just excited for this conversation. It's going to be good. So now let's get started. So Kako, please tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you find yourself on this journey of motherhood? Okay. Um, I don't even know where to start from. Okay, how did I, I, I found myself on this journey one. It was, I was still very young when I had my first child. And I think it was, like just out of adventure, I was like, well, let me just try and see what it will be like to be a mother. And um, after I realized that I was expecting my first child, I was like filled with all sorts of emotions. I was like, oh, 
okay, so now I'm going to be responsible for someone else and not only myself. I was actually really overwhelmed, yeah. But after I had my first child, yeah, then I think along the way I realized that it was actually a very fulfilling um, journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us, okay, let's go a little bit further back. How was your relationship with your mother? Because I would imagine um, how you go into motherhood would either emulate um, your your own experience or maybe you'll be um, running away from your own experience. Okay, how I got into You know, actually, to be honest with you, I think before I talk about my relationship with my mom, I think at that time for me, I was just like really experimenting. I was just like, what will it be like to be a mother or to have a child? And I think in the beginning, I didn't even realize what I was getting myself into until, you know, I realized that I was actually expecting my first child. My relationship with my mom as I was growing up was, um, we were very, we were close, but my mom was not very she was like a very iron like she was an she was very firm she was a very firm mother let me put it that way and um yeah we there were some conversations that i think i have with my daughter that i wasn't able to have with my with my mom mm. because i think at that time those were things that i think our parents were just not very comfortable about talking mm-hmm. to us about some of those some of those things were things that would be like no talk to your grandmother or your aunt will speak to you about it and stuff mm-hmm. like that but I think after I became a mother my mother and I actually became even closer than we were before I was a mother yeah yeah that's nice that's nice so when did you how old were you when you had your first child I was 23 when I had my first child Okay. And tell us about that, your first journey um, with your first child. How was that? Um, it, it was, I had my mom by my side because when I was like almost due to have my baby, my mom, you know, asked that I go and stay with her for a while. So I actually lived with my mom, I think for about three or four months. So the beginning of that journey was, um, my mom was like really supportive. She would wake up in the night change the baby, you know, bath him, do the laundry. I was just basically, my job was just to wake up and and feed my baby. And, you know, at that time, like I said, I was so overwhelmed and I love my baby so much. I didn't trust anybody with my baby but my mom. So if my mom Mm -hmm. had gone to work, I wouldn't be able to take a bath. I wouldn't be able to do anything. All I would do is just sit and... Yeah, just look at him. Yes, I'll just be next to him the whole time. So it was like really difficult, like for me to entrust him in anybody else's hands apart from my mom. Yeah. And um, at that point, like I said, I think after I had my baby, then I began to realize that my life now wasn't just about me, but I was responsible for somebody else. I had to ensure that I provided for all his needs, you know, like mm-hmm. apart from his physical needs, his emotional needs, yeah, and stuff like that. So it sort of like just began to even change my outlook to life because at that point, I didn't 
you know, it was like my child first and then me. I didn't think about anything else. My life just centered around, yeah, my son. Mm, mm. Okay. Um, so at that time, what role was the was the the father of your child um, playing in in his life? He wasn't present. He was, mm. yeah, yeah. I think he he just came to see him like I think once after he mm-hmm. was born. I think the next time he saw him was like months months later. Yeah. Mm. So basically, he wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Was. So you stay with your mom for you said about three months. Yeah. Then what happened? I stayed with my mom for about three or four months. Then, because um, my mom lived on the Copper Belt, so then I came back to Lusaka and um, yeah, I came back to Lusaka I stayed for a bit but then I realized I just wasn't coping on my own so I went back mm. to to live with my mom yeah, and I stayed with my mom I think for about a year plus because at the time I had my son I was like I had a year to go before I finished uni so I actually like stopped okay. for a bit, yeah, so then my mom said I needed to go back to school. And so I left him with my mom. And yeah, I, and I think that was like one of the hardest days of my life because I remember I cried mm-hmm. on the bus all the way from Mindola to Lusaka. I think people just thought I was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you actually, you were going to school. You tried to go to school um, the same time that um, you were with him when you had left your mom the first time? Yes. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. So, okay, then what happened next? Because you've got two children. What happened next? So then I think, um, not I think, well, Six years later, I got married to my husband, and then we had we had a daughter. Yeah, and that was like a totally different mm. journey altogether in terms of yeah, because I had like a lot of support mm-hmm. from him. I had support from my mom. Yeah, but at the time that um, I you know I, I got married, I I'd like to add or like just share with everyone that I had. Like I had my son and I had my daughter as well. But then I also had a lot of non-biological children as well because my husband had just lost his elder sister. So we took in like three other oh. Yeah, yeah. So those are my children as well. My, my oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So... At that time, All right, so you had uh, very much a blended family. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, mm, yeah. Okay. And how old were they? Uh, one, Carol were the youngest of them. She was uh, the same age as Michael, my son. And then her elder brother was what two three years older than her then her sister was a preteen at the time yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay all right okay so okay this is i guess when you met your husband you um well before you had started dating 
So you were, you know, you had your son. So how did he uh, respond to you being a mother already? I think he was very, he was very open to it. He accepted it. Mm-hmm. He accepted him. Though at that time, because I had gone back to school, my mom actually stayed on with my son for a bit. And yeah, she had become very attached mm-hmm. to him. So when I got my, my son remained with my mom, uh, he only came to live with me, I think when he was six or seven. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And I think I'm just asking because I feel like as single ladies, yeah. Yeah. I think as single mothers, um, you know, people don't really know when to introduce and say, oh, okay, I have a son, or, you know, to the relationship. Like, when when would you think is like a, a good time to have that conversation and even introduce um, your child to um, this prospective gentleman? I think from the word go. Mm. Yeah, I think it's something that should be done from the word go so that, you know, your prospective partner should be able to know whether, you know, they should know, you know, what you have in your life. Because I mean, a child is so dear to you. That's whatever it is that you do, even when you're in that relationship, you know, you're always thinking of them as well. And I think even as I was... um, choosing my you know my partner I my son was always like you know uh, you know he was like my first priority so I always had to Mm -hmm. think about his well-being is it someone who would accept him is he you know the kind of person that would be able to instill the kind of values that I would want in my child would he be able to give him you know a stable background and yeah things like that so those are the things that I took into consideration actually even as I was choosing you know my Mm. my, yeah 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 that's Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking about when you have a blended family, I know I've seen some instances where, you know, if some, if one person comes in with children, then it's a matter of, oh, those are my children. You can't discipline my children. Don't talk to my children that way. Uh, you know, so how did you, um, uh, go about, you know, c- coming together as a family? How did we go together? As in, I think my husband and I agreed that, you know, would would have to speak the same language. So, I mean, there were things that perhaps we wouldn't agree on at times, but then in front of the kids, we agreed not to disagree. If there was anything that we didn't agree about, it's something that would do behind the scenes so that you know we are all able to speak the same language because one thing I realized like from experience is that when children realize that um, they have like an option so say for example if my husband and I don't agree on a certain thing say in terms of maybe disciplining them then they realize that they have a choice or somewhere else where they can go then it becomes Mm -hmm. difficult to manage that um, kind of situation so we you know would sit and agree on things and say this is the way we'll manage this situation yeah so even if perhaps you feel that oh no maybe he's being a little bit too hard on the kids sometimes Mm. you know you just let it go like that and then deal with it 
between the two of you and how best you can manage it the next time round. Yeah. Mm, mm, that's very good that's very good okay so in terms of um, cultural influences what um what do you think has impacted how you are a mother um to your children in yeah as an african mother what what do you think has influenced you um in the way you mother your children Okay, I think um, for me, one of the things is um, even as I was uh, growing up, I think we grew up with um, like the extended family. So even as I was growing up, we had my mom had a lot of people in her home, like other than her biological children. And I think that impacted greatly on me because, um, you know, it it showed like one, my mom's... uh, kindness and just openness to be able to receive other people in her home and um, I think also how the other people also had an influence on us me and my siblings even as we were growing up so I think that's one of the things that impacted uh, greatly because then it also taught us how to respect other people you know especially Mm -hmm. elders it also taught us you know, just the importance of sharing with others and, yeah, just caring for other people, which I think is something that helps us to become more responsible as adults and I think even as parents. So for me, I think that's one thing that impacted uh, greatly on me because I think that's something that's very common in a lot of African homes. So I know uh, some countries, for example, okay, let's just talk about Zambia. You know, when you have your child, your mother comes into the home and, you know, she'll come and help you or somebody will come and help you with the baby and things like that. What are your views of that? Well, I, I, I think I would still say, yes, the mother should come in and uh, help because at the time that you have your baby, it can be very overwhelming if you've had especially a difficult mm-hmm. pregnancy or the process of uh, childbirth was also difficult. So I think sometimes that extra help is actually necessary. And like for me, perhaps it's because of the influence from my mom. My mom would always make sure that, you know, you stay with her until you go for your postnatal review. So basically you'd stay with her for six weeks. And I think I appreciated that, especially with my first child, because then I didn't know what to do. You know, sometimes you'd be tired when the baby's crying, you don't know what to do. So I think it's important, especially like the first six weeks, that's something you definitely need that support, unless maybe you're in a situation where you can't get the support after that, yeah, I think it's good then now for you to carry on with life as as a couple. Yeah. Okay. All right. So think, what sorry, for me, my husband, like when I had my daughter, he was very supportive because at the time I wasn't working, but he would okay. still come home from work. He would be tired. Even if the baby is crying at night, he would wake up, you know, change her. You know, and yeah, yeah. just help with her, which I, I thought helped, you know, all of, like him to bond with her because they're actually very close and it helped mm-hmm. us to bond as well. Because I think sometimes you also find a situation where 
our partners, husbands or partners tend to feel left out in the process and then they feel a mother is concentrating more on the baby and not paying too much attention to them. Yeah, definitely. There's a, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but you know, it's a thing, it's a, um, I guess a trend. I'm not too sure what to say, but you know, where the, the man doesn't really do much in terms of, um, you know, looking after the child, especially in those few, um, the first few uh, months and years, you know, when they're really young. And yeah, I can see how they can feel left out. How would you, um, what would you say to encourage women to, or encourage men <laughs> um, about bonding with their children? I think I would encourage them. I think we need to move away more from that's you know like it's a mother's duty only to look after the baby and for them to get more involved in you know taking care of the baby and yeah so in terms of even feeding bathing changing the baby and yeah I think I would encourage them to also get more involved because then that way you're all spending time and bonding together as opposed to a mother just um you know, doing it on her own. Mm, mm. Yeah, it becomes like family time as opposed to on this side of the house, the, you know, mom is with baby and then on that side, dad is on the TV or, you know, having a drink or whatever. Yeah, okay. So as, you know, I think there are very different dynamics with having a boy and a girl. How has that been for you? I, I think it's been different uh, um, because uh, one, my girls, I think my son, I'm very, he, he's a very quiet person. He doesn't speak much. He doesn't express his emotions much. My daughter, on the other hand, speaks her mind. That's the first thing. Second thing, I think even in terms of like in their teenage years or their needs, at some point, they I think they mature differently and you find, um, I think even their needs as they are growing up are also different. So, yeah. Okay. Hi. So you mentioned before some conversations that you didn't have with your mother that you have with your, or have had with your daughter. What type of conversations are those? Uh, I think, oh, we have lots of conversations. My daughter is my best friend. We have lots of uh, conversations with her. We talk about relationships. Uh, I think uh, we talk about, because my daughter is a feminist, we talk, we have conversations around feminism. And I think she begins to question even some of the things like, why did you raise us like this? And why, you know? Because like in the beginning, you know, it would be like, no, you need to do this, you need to do that. And she will ask me, but why can't Michael do it as well? Why should it only mm -hmm. be me? And yeah, stuff like that. But a lot even about relationships, like her relationships. And she's also asked a lot of questions like about my relationships, my past relationships, like, yeah, my relationship with her dad. Yeah, I think those are the kind of conversations that we have. Okay. But how did you get comfortable to get to that point? Because I know um, some people are watching this and thinking, 
I, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to have those conversations, especially since you, you it wasn't normal when you were uh, a child. So how did you transition? How did you become um, comfortable? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> okay, I think when my daughter was in boarding school, we used to write each other a lot of letters, like where we would, yeah, we'd just basically express how we feel about anything and everything, yeah. Because I would write to her like almost literally like every single day. So by the time I would be sending her a letter, it would be like maybe 10, 15 pages and she would do the same. So I think at that point, we also just agreed that we would be open with each other about everything. Mm. Yeah. So I think it wasn't, I wouldn't even say, I don't know. It's, it just somehow happened. I think. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I think it's. It, I think it, that that was the starting point. And my daughter, I think, made it a point. She told me, you know, she'd always say, "Mommy, you are my best friend, and I don't want to hide anything from you. So you know whatever's going on in my life." And I think even when she's been in a relationship, she's like, "You're the third person in our relationship." So how soon did you allow her? How soon were you comfortable with her having a relationship? Because I feel like a lot of people will concentrate, like, you know, they'll tell their kids, no, you have to uh, concentrate on books, concentrate on books, you know? So how did that I think fold out? High school, in her last year of high school, when she like opened up mm-hmm. to me and said, yeah, you know, I think there's somebody that I like and stuff like that. I was like, okay, so we're going towards the end of high school. So that's fine. But I mean, even then, we would still talk about like the different aspects of her relationship as well. Yeah. We'd talk about mm. that. So I mean, there are things you talk. Yeah. I think we'd talk about that as well. Okay. Elaborate a little bit more. Okay. As in what? Uh, okay. Okay, like when she would tell me, like, oh, when she told me, like, with her first relationship, like, okay, I'm in a relationship, we'll talk about it. Though at that time, I think our conversations were not as, um, like, deep, because I think at that time I didn't, I, I was, I wasn't too keen on her going into a relationship, but I was like, if this is what she wants and she's open with me about it, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll give her, you know, all the support that um she needs yeah but then um i think even now we've had conversations where i think she still feels i haven't been maybe like open enough and there are still things that we should be able to talk about if a bit more freely like the sexuality and things like that yeah i think maybe we still need to have more convers I still need to have more conversations with her about things like that. But even like when she would have arguments with her her boyfriend and things, she would still come back to me and say, Oh, we've had an argument. How would you manage this? Or how would you deal with it? And I'll be able to give her advice and things like that. And um I think like even now we've been having conversations and she's actually asked me to say, please could you even like write me letters with advice so that even when you're gone, I can still look back and read those letters. Oh, that's a beautiful um, thing to pass on. I love that. I love that to be able to leave something uh, tangible that she can refer to. 
like a piece yeah, of I, you. That's very nice. Yes, and because I actually asked her, would you like me to do them in a soft copy or hard copy? And she said she'd actually like them handwritten. So I'm actually yeah. writing letters to her. Then I think maybe another thing I'd just like to add on. My mom, I think, was like really conservative, not very comfortable in like talking about having these conversations about relationships and things. And I think when you ask, like, how did I transition? I think one of the things that helped me to be able to have these conversations with my daughter, especially, was my dad. My dad was, um, I think, a bit more open with us as we were growing up. He would talk to us about, you know, relationships. And yeah, he was like more open and I think he wanted us to be as independent as possible because I remember one of the things that he would always say to us is um, don't forget you've you know if if anyone ever tries to trouble you they should remember that you were not found in the bush so you know they should always remember that they found you with people and not in the bush and then Mm -hmm. my son on the other hand I don't know, maybe it's a mother-son thing. I remember the first time that I saw him like talking to a girl and things like that. I was just like so jealous. And like each girl, he would tell me, oh, you know, this is my girlfriend. I'm like, no, she's not the right one for you. And, you know, I'll always be stressed. <laughs> so watch out. Because <laughs> I, mean, I know, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I remember one incident like really vividly it's like when we would go to church we'd all sit together as a family and um this one time he was just like no i'm not going with you guys because our church was not too far from home he was like i'm walking to church and we are driving to church and i see him walking to church with a girl and he decides to sit at the back of the church and i didn't concentrate that day because all my thoughts were like so now where is he what is he doing with her and yeah so i think like the way i feel like about my son's relationships and i don't know they're just two different things and i think to add on my mom is very close to my son and i think she feels the same way she would just say no that one i don't think she's right for michael and things like that so i don't know if other mothers experience experience that sis are you like me i literally live by my calendar if it's not on there it does not exist nor does it happen but quick question are you on your calendar i don't mean all the activities that you do for and with others i mean do you have a day that is all about you not babies, not bay, not work, or anything else that keeps you busy. I'm asking you to be your own bay. So one day a month, Africana Woman will host in-person events in Lusaka that give you permission to practice self-love. This is not just another networking event. You know, restaurants and cocktails. No, darling. Instead, we're partnering with local businesses to give you unique experiences like paint and sip, a ladies hike or a body positive dance class like you do not want to miss this so come on then join us sign up today be your own bay find the link in the show notes or go to africanawoman.com now back to the conversation okay so as you're writing these letters to your daughter uh what do you want to impart what do you want to leave her with um 
is there anything um I guess that is from a cultural sense that you will be speaking to her about or you'll be writing to her about? I think for me, if it's from, um, I think from a cultural sense, I would just like to, you know, impart on her the importance of Ubuntu. I think just the importance of caring, you know, respecting other people. Yeah, I think that's just so important for me, I think. I think also just looking back at the way I grew up and the impact that it's had on my life, I think it's impacted on me in a very positive way. So I think that's one thing. And then I think also just uh, I'll also want her to, you know, just to be herself, not to be defined by anybody else, you know, anyone else, but just to do what she believes in. No, that's good. So I think something else that people struggle with is, um, you know, when you have your baby, but being able to see them as an an adult or even, um, you know, their needs as a teenager, you know, how you talk to them. What can you tell us about your experience? Because, you know, your children are now in their 20s. So how has that been for you? Like when you see your daughter, are you still thinking, oh, my baby? <laughs> and, you know, oh, you're still yeah. trying to address her as a baby. <laughs> they're still my baby. <laughs> Chulu, they're no, still, I, 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 think parent, I don't think you ever get to a point where, you know, you think your children have grown up. I think both my children still tell me, you know, like, mommy, I'm, I'm grown up now. I'm no longer a baby. And I'm like, no, no you're still, you always be my baby because you still, I still worry about the smallest things about them. Have they eaten? Are they warm? Are they, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in terms of, uh, what was your question again? Because I think I've sort of like digressed. What did you uh, say? I think in the way that you relate to them and how you um, communicate and speak, speak with them, uh, you know, you find that some parents are still talking to their 20-year-old child as if the child is seven. Uh, no, I think for me, yes, yeah, sometimes I think I do that. It probably depends on uh, the kind of uh, situation that we're in. But then I think sometimes I have to keep reminding myself too that, you know, they're grown up. So even the way I speak to them or the thing, yeah. I think it just also depends. It varies from situation to situation. I'm trying to think of mm. examples that I could give to you in the different, um, you know, like different situations. Yeah, let me just try and think of something that's, yeah. Let me think of, let me see. Well, when I think of something, I'll, I'll get back to you on sure. that one. All right. Tell us a little bit more how your experience has been being a, a stepmother. Um, I think a lot of, I think a lot of African families, you know, you find like you've said, either um, relatives and you know, or e- even he will come in with his own children type of situation. So, what is your experience um, being a mother to children that you did not bear? It's not a very easy situation to to find yourself in because, you know, like the way you, because sometimes I feel like 
at that time, there's always a comparison between maybe how you react mm. to your child, how you respond to your non-biological child. I think people or society will always be looking to, you know, judge you or see how you, you know, how you treat the other child. So, you are, you know, you are really like conscious about, you know, everything that you do. And then for me, I think it was in a way a bit um, easier for me because I also, you know, went through a similar situation where I had, you know, a stepmom. So I think I always told myself that there are certain things that I went through that I wouldn't want anybody else to to go through. And I think those are things that, you know, like I made it a point even as they were growing up. I tried to, I tried my best to be, you know, to treat everyone as equally as possible. Though I think, like I said, it's something that's not, it's not an easy thing because at the end of the day, you know, no matter what you do, sometimes maybe a non-biological child may still feel that, you know, you could do better. And even when you're, you're doing your best and, you know, funny that you ask, I think it's even a conversation that I was having with someone the other day. We're talking about it. And I think it's only when you look back, you realize, you know, like how, how difficult it is. But at the end of the day, it's also, it's very fulfilling because for me, then I feel satisfied that I'm, you know, I was able to provide, you know, a home and also just to be able to be a mother to, you know, children that were not my biological children. Children. So what's yeah. your relationship with them like right now? I think we we have a good, we have a very good uh, relationship i'm actually i actually live with my my niece currently she's working in the town where mm -hmm. i work so she's actually moved in with me and we sit and we you know we we talk a lot we have like very you know like very deep conversations as well we're able to talk about almost uh, anything and i think even for her she says that now you know like now she realizes you know, that it wasn't an easy task and she actually appreciates, mm. you know, the fact that, you know, she has my husband and I, that she can call her parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's not, it's, it, it's not an easy, it's not an easy journey because I think you go through a lot of challenges and I mean, you can also understand what they're going through because then for them, it would probably be, maybe if my mom was, because they were, double orphans so maybe to be if my mom was here or if my dad was here you know maybe things would be would be different Definitely. and I think one yeah. yes one of the other challenges that um, I experienced along the way was I think something that we talked about like at the beginning of our conversation where mm -hmm. they have an option where they realize that oh okay so here if this goes wrong, I can run to uncle this or auntie this and tell them that, oh no, this is not going right and that's not going right. And I think that's something that I told my husband. For me, I want the children to feel like 
this is their home. They have nowhere else that they can run to, whether they are happy about something or not. It's something that we have to sit and deal with as a family because once children begin to have that option, then it doesn't make sense because I would always tell them, you need to, you know, treat, you know, my home is your home. It's your home. You're not going to live here like maybe you're a visitor or you're a passenger. I would say like at a bus stop where you can just come and go as you please. So you have to accept, you know, or just live here like it's your own home. And um, I think actually even my niece and my children, yeah, my nieces and mine, because there were two nieces and a nephew and my daughter and son, they, they're actually, I think, very close. They're, mm. yes, yeah, they're very, they're very, especially the niece that I'm talking about, the one that lives that's actually living with me in Chirundu. I think we actually nicknamed her mother because she would actually treat my kids like she's their mother, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she would always like look after them and, you know, take care of them. And I think even now she's like a big sister to both of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, with every, um, I guess, stepmother journey there, you know, there are different dynamics. And, you know, when you have a situation where the, the parents, uh, you know, the, let's say the mother is still alive or the father is still alive, but, you know, they're living in your home, then, you know, that brings about um, uh, further challenges to be able to deal with their um, biological parent. Um, would you have any advice on, um, on that particular situation? Okay, so a situation where you have one parent is still alive and um but 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 you have a child with you. Yeah. Um I think in that instance I think then it would be also very important for like the parents that are keeping like say for example if I was keeping a child that had one biological parents still alive then I think it's very important for us as the parents keeping and the biological parents to have um, a very good and open relationship so that you're able to talk about everything like regarding the well-being of the child be it uh, physical emotional whatever support it is that they need I think we all need to be moving on the same page because like I've said before if you're not then I think it actually brings in a lot of challenges because then you, you know, mm. it's that kind of thing where it's like one, you know, you're pulling each other, you know, maybe the biological parent will be saying one thing and you'll be saying the other thing. So I think it, um, it tends to confuse the children in the process. So I think those are things people, you all need to be open about, to be open about. So, okay. I'm just going to throw a spanner in, you know, because let's say in this day and age where a, a, a gentleman has decided that, you know, and you, we hear these stories, they will have, um, they'll get two people pregnant and then the choice, and then he chooses one woman and no, this is the one I'm going to marry. So on the other side, there's a lot of bitterness because, you know, there was hope and all of this stuff and heartbreak. Um, so to be able to say, oh, let's get on the same page. Okay. <laughs> let's all be talking. In that, that situation, it's, it, it, it becomes, I think it becomes difficult. For me then, I think 
with um, that if, if you know if there's that kind of a situation uh, for the parent that is uh, keeping the child I think then you do your part as a parent you instill the values you know the beliefs and everything you pass them on to to the child and then you leave it open I don't think then it's fair like because I think like you said there are situations where people will now start saying, no, that person is a bad person. They did this and they did that. I don't think it's fair that we should let a child, you know, or put that in a child's mind. Let them be able to have that relationship with um, with the other parents. Let it be as open and free as possible because I don't think there's anyone who is perfect and... Yeah, I mean, there's still things that they'll be able to learn or gain from the other parent. Mm, mm. All right, I'm just going through the comments. Uh, Annie says, sounds like what my mom used to tell me. Um, I hated being treated differently from my brothers. I think she's commenting about um, Wangu being feminist and saying, uh, you know, why am I doing this? And then Michael's not doing this. <laughs> yeah. So how? tell us a little bit more about that. Were you, um, did you sort of like assign gender roles? Like, okay, you need to be in the kitchen. And then Michael was sitting. How, how did that? Yeah. Yeah, I think we did. Because at the time there was Michael and my nephew Humphrey. And then we had the girls mm-hmm. as well. And I think it's something that we, that's what we did. But and it's something I think we didn't, it's something I didn't question because I think it's something that I, you know, that's the kind of way that I grew up in as well. But I think down the line, you know, as especially as Wango made me more aware of it, I think if I had a chance to do things differently, that's one of the things that I would definitely do differently. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I think more about yeah, yeah. Later on, in like as they grew a little bit older, yes, sometimes you'd say, okay, Michael, you need to do this. You need to start learning to be able to do some of these things for yourself. But I think at that point, even for him, you know, it was it 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 was a bit uh, difficult. Yeah, they would do it, but with a lot of reluctance. So yeah, Mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Elishiba commented um, in reference to whether she would be jealous about um, her son being with somebody, and she says probably, but he's so he's still very young. But I can imagine I'd be both excited and scared. But, yeah. Um, it, it, trust me, it's it's. A, I think it's it's a it's mixed feelings. Mm. Feelings, yeah. Okay. So where do you think your motherhood journey goes from here? Because you have adult children. Do you feel like there's still mothering to be done? Yes, I do. Like I said, you know, your children, um, in in my eyes, they're still my babies. So one, I still worry about even the smallest things if they say they are sick I worry about if they've eaten I worry about if they are warm and um, in terms of mothering I think there is um, I still the journey still continues because now 
they're at a different stage in their life. So they'll be talking about getting jobs. They'll be talking about going into relationships, whether long term. So I think those are things that I'll still, I still journey with them. I'll still, you know, need to give them advice. And yeah, I think guidance. So the journey for me, I think it's a journey. Parenting or motherhood is something that it, it, it doesn't end. I think we go with it yeah. till the very end. Because I can see, like I laugh at my mom sometimes. I'm like, so you have, you know, old, your children are old. You have grandchildren. And now you carry, you know, the worries of not only your children, but you worry about each and every single grandchild of yours so I think a mother like in terms of motherhood definitely there's still even a lot of emotional support that I'll still mm. that I still need to give my kids yeah mm. Mm. yeah yeah I guess you know when they're they're yeah, much younger you know it's uh, you know making sure they're fed but and you know clothed and you know go to school be responsible values and things like that and you know in this season that they're in there's definitely you know i guess a lot of um like you're saying emotional support which is i think people don't really think about or um think about the different stages of being a mother yeah i don't know in your I guess maybe when you were getting married and in your training, did they actually speak to you about, okay, you know, how to be a mother um, even as you go along? No. I, that, no, 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 no. Mm. So you're pretty much learning by example from your mother. That's what you're saying. Yes, yes. Mm. That I think, I think most of, um, I would say my mom obviously was my biggest uh, I think she was the biggest uh, influence and probably most of yeah my parenting and came from my mom though I think they along the way yeah some things maybe I have done a bit differently but in terms mm. of how to be a mother I think my mom has been my biggest influence mm. and I think she's so pretty good Oh yeah, I think you turned out pretty good. <laughs> I think you turned out pretty good. Um, do you think women, as women, as mothers, there needs to be spaces where um, you know we can discuss motherhood and what it looks like um, at different stages of a child's life, where it's not necessary. I think it's necessary, especially, you know, with this, like, you know, nothing is ever permanent. Things are changing all the time. So I think it's important. I think there are a whole load of um, conversations that uh, we we need to have or that we can have as mothers so that we can share our experiences. Obviously, children are different and every experience and every journey is different. But I think there are things that... Um, we all can learn from one another. And I think it's something that we were also talking about with Wangu the other day. Mm -hmm. where I think it would be good to have conversations like, you know, her with her cousins, my sisters, you know, like even my mom, mm -hmm. we can just sit and talk about a whole load of uh, things from relationships to, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Because I think those are conversations, especially when we were growing up, I think those were conversations that um, children were not able to have with their parents. And I think also it's important for our children to hear those things from us. I know, yes, now there's uh, Dr. Google and there's Google. <laughs> and, yeah, but I think it's also just um, important to be able to have these conversations I think as mothers, then, yeah, I think also to be able to have them with our children as well. Mm, mm. Okay, so I've got two questions and we're almost uh, coming up to uh, an hour, but let me just read them for you. On the things you wish you could have done, you could have some, I think, done, done differently. Have you ever had a sit down with your kids and had this conversation? So if you thought that you did something in your past that was like, "Mm -hmm," have you told your kids about it and said, okay, guys, (laughs) because I've been through it, I'm not going, like, I don't want you to go through it. I think we have had some conversations about, yeah, certain things, but as in maybe if I had to do things differently, what would they want me to do? No, I think it's something we haven't had a conversation about. Why is this why not? Why haven't that's yeah. mom? She's asking her, why haven't you I had the conversation? I think I'm, it's a, you know, that's something I, I think it's something I need to have, especially mm-hmm. I know my daughter asks me a lot of uh, questions. My son, he's he doesn't express himself that much, so he's someone you really have to poke him to get you know anything. Yeah, he's like really closed up. Mm, mm. Okay, so Elishiba has got a question as well. Um, and the question is, what would you say to someone who is struggling to have a baby and their identity in Africa is so tied to being able to have children and be called a mom? That's a very good question, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, for me, I, I'm, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and um, I think, you know, I, I always say there's a time and place for everything, and in God's time, I think he makes things possible, and um, if, I know, like, in the African society, you know, for you to be called or to be considered to be a woman, you need to have a child, but I don't think that's the only thing that makes you a woman, you know? So even for you to be called a mom, I think you can still, I mean, there are people that have been mothers to other children without um, actually having biological children. I have a friend of mine who Wango actually calls mommy too because they have such a beautiful relationship and I think a very fulfilling relationship with even though she's not her biological mother. So yes, I know it's something that um I mean I haven't I'm not in that situation because I am a mother. So yeah I can say, you know, in God's time, you know, God's time is the best. There's a reason for everything. But I think we should always have that hope and faith and just believe that if it is God's will at the time, he will make things possible for you. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think certainly, like you said, there's different forms of motherhood. Um, you know, even, um, even if, you know, you're supporting your sister's kids, um, not that they're living in your home, but you're still a mother to them. And, you know, there's different ways that you can be a mother. I know that I, I mentor, um, students, um, and for me, I, I consider them my children. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my little babies, you know. So there's different ways to be um, a mother. And in the African society, you don't really um, necessarily um, see it that way. And it can be challenging and difficult. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So I'm just going to look at what Mama's saying. She says, uh, my question, her question was, what's, uh, what's your view on adoption, Kako, uh, when one is capable of having kids of, um, of her own, but wants to adopt, especially from an African household perspective? So, for example, someone is, you know, they're able to have kids, but then they want to adopt. They don't want to have, they don't want to go through the whole process of, of bearing the child but they would prefer to adopt. What do you think? For me, I think it's fine. If um, someone is, you know, if they feel that's the route that they want to take. Well, I mean, from an African household perspective, first of all, I think maybe people will be like, oh, no, you can't do that. You need to have your own child and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but for me, I think if, that's the choice that makes someone comfortable and they're happy with it and they'll be fulfilled and they'll be satisfied. For me, I think, it, you know, there's nothing wrong, long, wrong with it. Yeah. But if you want to have, like I'm seeing here a comment, I want to as well have my own, but strongly inclined to adoption. My mother is super against it. Oh, too bad for your mom, my dear. You have to do what you want to do. I, I would support you all the way. I mean, if you want to have your own and adopt, go for it. If you want to just adopt a child, go for it as well, because I think then you'll also be changing you know, changing or touching somebody else's life. And um, if you feel that even that's the purpose for which, you know, you've been created and you're going to fulfill that purpose in that way, then yeah, go for it. I want mm. you to you have my support. And I guess on the other spectrum, at the end of the other spectrum is, what about the women who do not want to have children? You know, because you find that there's so much pressure to be a mother in African um, society, but there are people that generally do not want to have children. They are very fine with having their husband, and you know, they're for you know they've got other things that they're pursuing, um, and do not need to find. Um, I guess being made whole or something <laughs> in children. What do you think about that? Because I feel sometimes people get pressured to have children and then they don't enjoy that that motherhood journey. They're kind of just doing it out of obligation. Don't do it. I think, you know, I think we need to get to a time now where people shouldn't be pressured into, you know, doing things that they don't want to do. So if you don't feel that you want to 
you know, have a child, then maybe when you, maybe you might change your mind along the way, you may not. And I mean, if you are in a, you know, like in a relationship and it's something that you've agreed with your partner, then for me, I think there's um, like absolutely nothing wrong with it. I would encourage, because like you've said, Chulu, it's pointless having a child and then you're not there or you're not present to journey with that child because being a mother is it's 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 a lifelong journey and it comes with a lot of um, ups and downs it's not you know like smooth sailing the way we see it on social media where they're just nice pictures and stuff I mean behind the scenes there's you know there's a lot in raising a child to get to to where we are today and um, maybe I just wanted to add on to like even what you were saying about like a conversation that you had a few minutes ago where you were talking about where you can be a mother to, you know, like a, a, non a mother to non-biological children. So motherhood is not just about your biological children. I think like even for me, other than um, the, the the children that I raised in my home, I think there are a whole load of other children some of them are actually big you know they are adults laura i saw that you've joined the you know the live but you've disappeared again like where i work in chirundu i have like a bunch of um young young adults who call me their mother they actually even they call me madia from you know yeah, yeah and, <laughs> i just calling him madia <laughs> So yeah, uh, oh, yeah, they're actually all adults, but yeah, they consider mm. me like to be my mother. And I think I give them support and I think they also give me a lot of support as well. Yeah. And so, like you said, Chulu, I think even motherhood is not just really about your, your, you know, your own biological children or only the children that are in your home as well. Yeah. I guess, what advice would you have for women, African women, um, who are who are mothers? Um, what would you want to say to them? Um, I think I'll borrow a quote from Chimananda, who is, uh, I think, one of Wangu's favorites. I think I'll actually, because I actually just I wrote it down. I think I would say be a full person. Motherhood is a glorious gift, but do not define yourself solely by motherhood. Be a full person. Your child will benefit from that. Mm. But that is so deep. Like for you, what does it mean to be a full person? Because maybe some people don't know what it means to be a full person. You know, um, I think as uh, as as women, especially, we're groomed very young to you know about you know this is oh you should do this you should learn how to cook so that you can be cooking for your husband you should know how to do this so that you can, you know we're always groomed and we're always being ingrained that that's the journey. So that's that's what it means to be whole and to be. So when you say um, when you say be a whole yes. person or a full person, what does that mean? Um, for me, I think it's also about finding um, your purpose in life. 
Yeah, and for me to be able to fulfill my purpose as well. That's one of the things. And then I think like you've said, when we're growing up, there was always that thing that was being put in us to say, you know, you need to be a good wife, you need to be a good mother, and to be that. There are certain things that you need to do to be able to be considered a good wife or a good mother. And um, I think at the end of the day, it's not just about that I think my dad I, I always remember him for that always I think taught us not to be you know like to be dependent on a man and he always encouraged us to be as independent as possible because I think at the end of the day you know if I am not able to fulfill my purpose if I don't feel satisfied with my life then it means even the kind of influence that I will have on my children probably won't be the best influence if I am not my best self mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah and I think for yeah. me it's probably something that um, I've also uh, learned along the way and even just during my journey of motherhood I think I probably started out with that, a bit of that mindset that I need to do certain things in order to be considered, you know, a good mother or, but I've realized that I think it's also, I also need to create time and the space to be myself as well. And yeah, so I think it's, I'm also still growing. I'm also still discovering myself as well. So I think in as much as motherhood is important, you know, you have to give support to your children, but we also shouldn't forget ourselves along the way. Mm-hmm. I love what you say that because, you know, you know, some mothers can fall into the trap of always looking after other people, always looking after the children, always looking after um, your husband or, you know, it's always about everybody else but you, you know. Um, I heard someone say this uh, recently. They said, the way we treat as women, sometimes the way we, we treat ourselves, if we treated our children in that way, it would be called neglect, yeah. even close That's- to abuse. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, And I was like, oh my God, because we're always so focused on, you know, on others, others, others. And we never leave space for ourselves as mothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. So Mama just commented, she says, totally agree. You have to be um, healthy, uh, mind, body, and soul to be an effective mom or parent. I get, yeah, okay. <laughs> I just had another thought. <laughs> All right. Are you reading the comments? <laughs> yeah. Now, I was just thinking about, you know, a lot of the times we we tend to to be mothers. We tend to be the sole caregiver in the home. And, you know, it's also, for me, I just want to remind people that it's it's also... Um, it's not a journey that you have to do alone. Even as a single parent, you don't have to do it alone. You, you know, you should ask for help, ask for support in whoever can help you, um, whether it's your parents, your siblings. And I just, I really, I feel like people go in it and think that, oh, I have to do this alone. And they don't, 
um, they don't feel that they can ask for help. And it, it really shouldn't be a journey that is by yourself. Okay, this is the last question <laughs> that I'm taking. Okay, um, do you think this is important? <laughs> okay. Like you on birthing and mothering, etc. I'm sure, uh, do you think this is important? Like my view on birthing and mothering, etc. I'm sure will change once I become a mom. I wish we had real discussions about this and how birthing ain't beautiful. Isn't. Mm-hmm. Isn't beautiful. So I think one of the things that is, uh, um, I guess, uh, fantasized in in different uh, movies and things like that, they're like, oh, you're gonna have your baby, and then it, you know, it's just like from one scene, and then the baby's there, and there's no discussion about what actually happens when you're having a baby, you know. Um, it's not the easiest of procedures. It can be very gross, <laughs> to say the least. But people don't actually have conversations about, you know, what that actual process is of, um, you know, giving birth. I mean, were, like when you were having a child, were you totally prepared for that? No, I wasn't. I went into it like, you know, not... Not and I think because I think I went into it not knowing what uh, to expect. But for me, like for my first child, and for me in a way, I think it was a good thing because, I mean, you hear people talk about oh it's so painful and da 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 da, and because of that, I think I went in expecting the worst. So mm. at the end of it, oh, I was like oh so is this it? You know. So, but then mm. again, I think childbirth experiences are different, you know, they're, you know, like on a, it's like on a case by case basis. So it would be different for me. It would be different for you. Cause I think, yeah, everyone just goes through, um, different situations, but I think to be honest, it's not the easiest of things, but it's worth mm. it. I always tell people at the end of it, or even after all the pain and the discomfort, et cetera, et cetera. I think after a while we tend to forget. Otherwise, people wouldn't keep going back to have a second and a third and. A <laughs> but you see, like and... someone like me, I haven't forgotten, so it's not happening again. <laughs> no, Chulu, it. <laughs> no, it can. Chulu, <laughs> if you try to imagine, like, oh, what was the pain like? Can you still remember that pain? You will remember that, yes, it was painful, but other than that, yeah. yeah. But I'm not doing it, guys. Not doing it, guys. <laughs> okay, so Wangu says, what would you say has been the best part of motherhood? You. <laughs> Having you, Wangu. Well, I think, would I even be able to say the best part? I think I've just, I've loved all of it. The entire journey. I think it's difficult for me to pinpoint one specific part of motherhood. Mm-hmm. I think the whole journey, because I mean, each part of the journey has been, um, yeah, it has been, you know, like I've gone through different challenges. There's been joy, there's been pain. Yeah, obviously. So, 
I would say the journey of motherhood. Nice. Well, Kako, thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation and thank you for being so vulnerable and open about this. I know some of these conversations are difficult to have. I think some of the takeaways that I have taken um, from this conversation is motherhood is a journey. It's never ending. It evolves. So, you know, you also have to be able to evolve. You need to look after yourself. Um, so as you are able to look after other people, so taking time to know yourself and then be able to pour into um, other people. And each child is different. So, you know, you can't expect it to be cookie cutter because you raised one child this way, then you're going to raise the next child the same way. But you have to be able to uh, notice how different your children are and be able to adapt. Being a stepmother is possible, guys. It's not easy, but it is possible. So um, and then another thing you also spoke about was just being on the same page as your partner if you're in a, a relationship as a mother. So being on the same page and not allowing the children to divide the house and you know speaking with that one voice will um, get you that much further. So I think those were my top takeaways from this conversation. Kako, I appreciate you, I love you. So thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you coming and joining us. I appreciate you taking the time. Kako, I love you. Uh, thank so. you. And thanks everyone for joining us. I think I enjoyed um, having this conversation and sharing my journey with you all. And if you do have any other questions, you could always just inbox me or let Chulu know and I'll be very happy to respond to them. I also just want to say thanks to my children for letting me experience this journey of motherhood, both my biological and my non-biological children i love you all so very much chulu i love you so so much too everything about motherhood is not the same you can have multiple children and raise them differently because of their individual personalities and quirks I particularly would like to stress that motherhood also evolves with time. Kako said that it is a lifelong commitment. Whereas when your children are babies, they need, you know, more physical support. And when they are teens, they might need more social support. Whereas when they're an adult, they would need emotional support. They will always be your baby, right? But the conversations and interactions become age appropriate and we as mothers must be sensitive as to when to shift our posture. There's actually so much that we touched on, especially as mothers in relation to our culture. I hope you can come back to this interview time and again. I think as you evolve, you will receive the information differently. Finally, I really loved the suggestion Kako had with her daughter to have open, honest and transparent conversations with their nuclear family about womanhood. You know, bringing together different generations from grandma, aunties, cousins and, you know, just everybody being able to talk, listen to each other and learn. Could it be this is a new tradition that you can champion in your family? Hmm think about it 
sisters, please find Kako on social media at Michelle David 40 to say thank you. The link is in the show notes. Tell her you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast and show her some love. Thank you so, so much for making us part of your day by listening in. I truly appreciate you. I also need your help (laughs) to get the word out about the Africana Woman podcast. All you have to do is take a screenshot of this episode and post it on your social media stories. Don't forget to tag me at Chulu by Design or at Africana Woman. I love to see your feedback. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. This really helps with exposing this podcast to more women. Now, you know, my playground is Instagram. If you want to chat with me personally, drop me a line. And until next week, please remember, know your roots, grow your purpose. This has been a production of Ulendo Creative Media. You can find out more about their services on www.ulendocreative.com.